I'm Bob. I like coffee. I also like to tell stories. So here at the Bobcast Coffee, it's time for a coffee break. So take a coffee break with me and pour yourself a cup of your favorite joe. By the time you're done with your coffee, you'll know something about me you really didn't need to know. But you'll have fun learning it. Just remember, my stories are true. For the most part. This episode is brought to you by Scars and Stripes Coffee. Reynolds Revival, the producers of Bobcast Coffee, have teamed up with Scars and Stripes to bring you one of the best cups of coffee you will ever taste. Lovingly brewed here in the great state of Oklahoma and shipped straight to your taste buds. Scars and Stripes Coffee is all about veterans helping veterans. Unlike other companies who say that part of their proceeds go to helping veterans, with Scars and Stripes, you can look directly into the eyes of the person selling you your coffee and get to know the vet that is being supported by your purchase. To find out more about the company, the mission, or just to buy the greatest coffee ever, go to www dot ss dot coffee forward slash rey nolds that's www.ss.coffee forward slash reynolds or check out the link in the description mm. today i'm enjoying my coffee out of a brand new coffee mug here at the house. It is actually a free giveaway church coffee cup. This is uh, from Trinity Church here in Yukon, Oklahoma. We were at a community coffee there on Good Friday and had, uh, had a wonderful time. About 100 people showed up and introduced themselves to each other. Nice networking situation. And I will tell you, it's a classic cup that works great. Good coffee. Today we're going to be talking about episode 30, The Bullet Hole. In 1979, it was my sophomore year in school. And being 16 years old, I had my driver's license. This meant I could get myself to and from school in my 1973 Red Ford Pinto. It was a glorious feeling to have the independent movement and the ability to go places when and where I wanted. For example, I could roll out of bed 20 minutes before the bell would ring at school. Throw some clothes on that were not too disgusting, 
throw some cereal down my gullet, toss the bowl near the sink, and then drive the 20-minute drive from my house to the parking lot at school. And I would still have five minutes to spare. All right, please don't make logic out of the math. I was a teenager in Oklahoma in the 70s. And I had watched every episode of the Dukes of Hazard. Now, this was a major influence on my driving. This ability to drive also meant that I could do things after school, like run errands for the family, take food to a sick friend, or volunteer time at an animal shelter. Well, I, I could have done any of those things, but I didn't. One of my favorite things at this time was to drive home as fast as I could so I could catch the next episode of Our Star Blazers. This was an American version of a Japanese cartoon that was an underground geek sensation. So, after breaking several laws of man and nature, I would pull up to the curb on the side of the house, jump out of the car, run into the house, turn on the TV and grab a quick snack from the refrigerator, settle myself into the comfy chair, and watch my geeky cartoon. Soon after my show was over, my brother Rick would come in from dropping off his girlfriend and say absolutely nothing to me and go to his room. This was a regular routine in the life of Bob for most of that semester. Now, on a few occasions, this might get disrupted, but it was a safe bet that my butt would be in that chair at the same time every day, Monday through Friday. Now, during a given week on a given day, and I can't exactly remember when, but in that time frame, I got out of class. I went running to the car, which was usually parked on the side of, the, of one of the buildings at the Alamo. The Alamo was the mid-high school that was being shifted into a junior high. From there, I would drive over to Main Street, turn west to Cemetery Road. It's now called Garth Brooks Boulevard. Once on Cemetery Road, I would open up the 2000cc four-cylinder motor of the red Ford Pinto and make maximum speed of 96 miles per hour until I reached Wilshire. At this point, I'd turn east and make my best speed for two more miles to Mustang Road. And by best speed, I mean 20, maybe 30 miles an hour tops. You see, Wilshire is one of those roads that simply do not stay in a drivable level. There are potholes that can eat a red Ford Pinto, and they must be avoided. Now, once I turned back onto Mustang Road, it was warp speed all the way to Surrey Hills. One more right, one more left, and I was home. Do not judge me and my driving. Everything I knew about driving, I learned from the Dukes of Hazard. It was the 70s, and that's how we learned. Now, on this day, I parked in my normal place, 
ran to the front door, unlocked it, dropped my books in the entryway, stepped into the living room, and stopped dead in my tracks. It was like I had run into the wrong house or into the middle of a bank robbery in progress. Everything in the living room was there, but it didn't feel right. Something was wrong and I just couldn't put my 16-year-old brain around it. There was a feeling in the air, a, a smell, something. Then like in any good poltergeist movie, I slowly turned my head and looked toward the comfy chair that I love to sit in. The chair was covered in a, a dust of some unknown origin. and The lampshade on the lamp table next to the chair was spinning in this unearthly way. It was fast, but slowing down rapidly. It was spinning like someone had just grabbed it a moment ago and spun it with all their might. Now to say that this is enough to freak out a young man, well, that's stating the obvious. Then I noticed the hole in the wall. A hole in the wall that looked like what I would expect a bullet hole in a wall to look like. A bullet hole made by maybe a 45 caliber round moving at a high velocity. And it was coming from the wall that shared from the living room to my parents' room. My mind now immediately shifts from ghosts and ghouls to the greater communist plot. And I go investigate. Down the hall and into the master bedroom to find my older, wiser, and much more responsible brother standing at the foot of the bed holding my dad's Colt 45 caliber automatic 1911 uh, it was a it was a wonderful handgun and a classic of an automatic it's the gun anyone would have wanted in 1979 see my granddad found this gun in a closet in a house he had been moving into years and years ago and he had passed it down to my dad who would later pass it along to Rick now I know that there will be some out there who will point out some BS about gun safety and blah, blah, blah. This story is not about gun safety. It's about the two-year rule. And you'll find out about that more in just a moment. See, also at this time in our lives, as my driving skills were learned by watching the Dukes of Hazard. Rick's gun safety at this time was learned by watching Starsky and Hutch. All right. So as the story goes, my brother was looking at the gun with the magazine out, the chamber empty, doing the proper check 
when his girlfriend called with issues. Well, during this point in his life, my brother did not handle issues very well. Now that he is older and much more mature, he handles issues immensely better. On this day, not so. He hung up the phone and he picked up that gun and now there's a wonderful hole in the bedroom wall. So now let's back up and go to the point where I walk into the bedroom. Me. What? Rick. Shit. Me. What? Rick, pushing past me and heading to the living room, in the living room, now I stop asking questions because, well, it's obvious. Rick follows from the hole in the north wall of the living room over the chair that I like to sit in to the lampshade next to the chair I like to sit in to the lampshade with the two holes in the lampshade to the wall on the south side of the living room. Now, on the other side of this wall is the dining room, which has a mural on it, on the wall. Rick. Oh, yeah. We go into the dining room, and there the mural is no hole anywhere. So we go back into the living room. And there's the hole in the wall. And if you look with a flashlight, the bullet is lodged into the 2x4 in the wall with the help of an electric box. Back to Rick. Okay. We can work with this. Bob, vacuum and clean. Bob's answer? Okay, who am I to argue? We have a major problem here. Mom will be home in about an hour or so, but Rick seems to have a plan, so I get the vacuum and I start cleaning. Rick gets out his modeling tools. Alright, now, I know a lot of you are thinking, what are modeling tools? You know, does he walk the runway on the side? Is No, 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 no. Back before everybody played on the internet, people would actually, for fun, build models. Model ships, model planes, model cars, model tanks, anything. And you needed specialized tools to paint and work on these things. And my brother grabs those tools and he runs and starts using the putty from the modeling supplies to fill the holes in the wall. And he uses the airbrush that he uses to paint his models and mixes up the paints and feathers the paint on the wall to match the paint already there. And in the living room on that north wall, it's perfect. On the south wall, 
it's almost invisible. And lucky for Rick in the bedroom, the hole is actually behind the door. So, yeah, it's okay. So mom gets home while Rick is putting away his tools. And then dad comes home later and I have dinner and I go straight to my room because I just can't take the tension in the house. In the morning, Rick is still alive and no one seems to be the wiser. A week goes by and still nothing. After the first year, I feel that we are in the clear. Then Rick and I start to notice, after that first year, that the hole in the south wall of the living room is slowly being pulled out by gravity. And the same thing is happening in the bedroom, but for some reason that north wall hole is holding out, and that's the one that is most visible. Come to find out, Dad thought that the door handle had made the hole in the bedroom. Now, you might ask, what about that lampshade? Well, Rick moved it that day from the lamp there by the comfy chair that I like to sit in to a lamp on the very far side corner of the room. And when it was finally found out, and my parents were asking, you know, where did these holes come from? Rick copped to the lesser crime of not placing it well in the moving truck when we had moved to the house and that he had been moving the uh, lamp, keeping it turned so that no one would notice. Now for the two-year rule. This is the unspoken brother rule that on the big stuff, we do not rat each other out for at least two years. If the infraction goes two years without being discovered, then there's no harm, no foul. This bullet hole incident holds the record for the longest time before the story came out. Over the years, my brother became a fabulous gun safety follower, instructor, and activist and my driving no longer resembles the Dukes of Hazard. Oh. With the exception of one night in LA, but that's another story. Our lives are an incredible dance of chance. And for us to be here at this time and at this place to tell these stories takes great skill fabulous knowledge, and a whole lot of luck. All I know now is that I need to enjoy a cup of coffee whenever I can. I think I'm going to start looking around my house for holes that may have been patched without my knowing. Have a great day.